Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Here with Liliana. I, it was kind of funky. We we're trying to get on the one platform for recording. We found another platform recording. It's, you know, with technology these days, there's, even though it makes life easier, there's still always hiccups, right? Uh, we made it though we made it it, it it doesn't matter too much about the journey it matters if you get there right uh so let's let's talk so you're a you're an author you're a speaker and you're kind mm -hmm. of a i mean how do you classify it like publicity orchestrator is that kind of yeah I'm a book and media consultant shall we say okay so i mean <clears throat> i've had a lot of different um speakers on here I mean, a couple authors, but how do you define yourself compared to other speakers out there? Because I'm assuming when you're getting gigs and all that kind of stuff, you know, you have to really kind of have a, a niche to get that gig compared to maybe someone else. Yeah, I mean, what makes us different is our experiences, you know, and the challenges that we've overcome and our perception of those challenges. So... When I've been booked to speak or, you know, when I've had a lot of media, it's been around, you know, situations that have happened in my life. Um, that there's one that sticks out in particular where it went absolutely crazy. I mean, it was all over the UK. I was in documentaries, on news shows, on breakfast shows. Then it went international. It was absolutely crazy. And that was because of something that happened in my marriage that isn't that unusual. But they wanted me on because my perception of it was so different to other people's. So, you know, I, I really think that the things sometimes that we try to hide are the things that make us unique. And actually, they're the things that are going to carry us forward and get us noticed. So I, I can tell So in, in that case, I didn't even... <laughs> well, I, I can tell... <laughs> Sorry, you, go on. No, no, just, just based off of that little tidbit of, of verbiage that you relayed, you definitely, you can tell you're an author. You kind of gave me enough to get me enticed about, we all do it, it all happens, it's <laughs> normal, but I had a different spin on it. And so now I'm like, okay, well, what is this normal thing and what is this spin? <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say it's normal, just not that, um, oh, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. Brace yourself. <laughs> so I had been married seven years, and my husband came home one day and told me he was transgender. So that was that. I, you know, I've got two, two children, and, um, you know, happy marriage, everything. You know, it, it seemed to come from nowhere. And I was like, okay, well, you know, something that I've always been shouting about is you have to be true to yourself. You have to be authentic. You have to, you know, be who you truly are inside. So if I had been told that, and then I had, I guess, got angry or bitter or anything else, which I would have been perfectly entitled to do, but if I had, I wouldn't have been in line with you know my own values 
So um, I was just like, okay, well, this is happening. Okay. So um, he started taking hormones and, um, you know, going through all of that process, started living as a woman. And um, yeah, I was, I was an actress at the time. And I was talking to a journalist about a film, a horror film that I was in. <laughs> the story in the papers the next day were not about my film. <laughs> and this is, this is the first thing that led me to wanting to help other people with the media. I wasn't ready for this. I didn't have a clue what was going on, you know. I'd been in the media loads. I was not prepared for journalists and TV producers to be knocking on my door. I was not prepared for people to be just standing outside my house looking through the windows. I, I didn't know what was going on, you know? It was, it was too much for me. Um, but it was a distraction from what was really going on in my personal life, you know? I, didn't, I guess I didn't want to deal with it, really. So I, I just said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to help other people. And that's what happened. Um, and then six months in... He told me that, um, well, he wasn't going to carry on along that road, which is why I'm still calling him he. <laughs> he went back to living as a man. Now that bombshell hit me somehow harder than the first, I guess because I might have always had some sort of inkling that there was something going on, but I didn't know what. So when he told me that originally, I, I was just like, well, okay. Um, I was proud, you know, and I was scared and all the rest of it. But I was proud that he'd had the, 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 the courage, you know, to come out. Um, so then after six months, and we'd already broken up by, by now, you know, we were, we were still sharing a house, we were still sharing a bed, but we weren't together. And my response was to run off to Portugal. I didn't, I'd just been on the national, um, I'd just been on a documentary on national TV with this story. And then I was so confused and I had loads of journalists and producers wanting to talk to me. And I just, I didn't know how to talk to anybody because I was so confused. So I ran off to Portugal and I refused to speak to anyone. And here's where I learned a massive lesson about the media. Refusing to talk to the press doesn't make the story go away. The story will go, still go out, just not with your input. So the story came out the next day. Um, it was not on an angle that I would have wanted going out um there was some things that had been taken out of context that i'd said in the documentary and you know i had given up my chance to be able to give my side of you know what was going on anyway i ran off to portugal that's where i wrote my first best-selling book living in a ditch um, <laughs> so i lived in a ditch for three months covered only with a polytunnel in the mud. It was the middle of winter. Um, and I wrote my first best-selling book there. there was, we had no power. We had no internet. 
no running water. We bathed and drank from the river. It was an incredible experience, you know. Uh, when you say we, able... how, who, who's with you? My partner, who, oh. who I'm still with. So this was a family friend. He was already out here. So, you know, my response was, because he was really the only person who understood so I contacted him and I was like, because he was the only one who, I guess, knew him as well as I did. Yeah. So I was like, what's going on here? And I just said, look, I need to escape. Can I, can I come and see you? And he said, yes. And we ended up really hitting it off and we ended up getting together. Um, and he had been out here already. He had some land and he had been making it. Um, he wanted to live sustainably. And I, my big dream was always to open an animal sanctuary. So we decided that that's what would happen. So I came over here. We both lived, lived in this ditch. My husband and kids followed afterwards. And then they lived in a house nearby. I chose to stay in the ditch. Um, and yeah, that's where I wrote my first book. And then I kind of lived this double life where I, I lived in the mud, covered in mud <laughs> one day and the next day I was jetting off, you know, when staying in five star hotels and all the rest of it for media and you speaking engagements. So it was, it was a bit crazy. It was a, it was a ditch. Uh, we had a bed. It was a ditch with a bed, um, a camping stove and a polytunnel over it. That, that was our setup, and there was a, a river down the road where we bathed and drank. That's where we got our drinking water. We had no water. Um, yeah, so that was quite an experience. What, what, but that's what started me off with, with, you know, getting into helping people with the media. What, so why do you think when your ex-husband was going transgender and then not going transgender why do you think it affected you more so on the second time when he said he was, going, he was not turning yeah do you know i don't really know because it's hard it's really hard to explain what was going through my head at the time was um why did you let go of our marriage for something that was so important to you and now you're not going to but I know by now that it's so much more complex than that and I couldn't you know I can't speculate what's going on you know that's his story um but it all I do know is that it is so much more complex than just going oh yeah I'm not gonna bother you know but at the time you know we, we just booked like a, a two-year documentary with a major network as well all around this story and I, I just felt like it had all been for the, like, for what? I, I, I wonder, I mean, and I've heard people talk about this before, where someone leaves you for someone of the opposite sex, then you can't blame yourself because you can't compete with that. But then if someone mm. leaves you for the same, you basically, they're saying you're not as good as this other person and you can't compete mm. with that. You know, so I don't, I don't know if there was a similarity there or something like that, because it sounds like you took it very, I mean, seven years, and I don't know how, if I was with someone for seven years and they would have told me I'm switching, have that much, like I almost want to talk about it or something and I'd be like, oh, what do I do? Like, that's impressive that you're able to kind of compose yourself that hard. I guess it was, 
I don't know. Looking back now, I wonder whether I was just in some sort of shock mm. because I dealt with it so incredibly well. Like you wouldn't believe it. My business boomed. Like I was in the press. I, I was calm. I was, I made it my mission instead of, instead of dealing with what was going on, I made it my mission to help other people to be able to accept themselves as they are, you know, whether they were transgender or something else. And that is something that I'm really passionate about. Every single one of us should be who we really are. Um, so I made it my mission, but I, I think in doing so, maybe I was, maybe I went through those six months in some sort of shock. Now, I remember being on a documentary and I don't know if you know Eamon and Ruth, uh, they're very famous in the UK, but Ruth Lanford, she's, she's called, she asked me in this documentary, is it possible, like she picked up that I was dealing with it extraordinarily well, extraordinarily well. and she said, <clears throat> is there any chance that you're doing all of this? to block out what's going on. And very honestly, I said, well, possibly, possibly, but we'll find out. And that's, you know, and then I did crash when that second bombshell came. And I no longer then, because I was so confused, I guess it took away my distraction and then I had to figure out what was going on. Don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. um, did, did, was, there a, it, was there a moment when you, you said you crashed a second time that like, I, I just can't do this or you're kind of freaking out or did you already know that your your current partner was like someone that you could kind of rely on and have that um conversation with because i know some people just kind of go into the ball and they just don't want to deal with the world if they get mm. into those bad moments was there a moment like that or you kind of had this lifeline of your partner or your future partner i guess now yeah yeah it was it was when i ran off to portugal that we got together yeah. um but yeah it was like that it was as though I, I wanted to hide from the world i didn't know how to respond to these questions like everybody wanted to talk to me and now i could kind i can i can understand to a point why somebody would want to change sex but I didn't understand what was happening now. So it was, I couldn't explain it to myself. And here's the thing as well. When somebody does come out as being transgender, it, um, obviously they are having like major, major identity issues. But what people don't realize is that the people close to them are also having their own identity issues. Hmm. Here I was thinking, oh, you know, it's been a decade of my life. Um, this is a woman. Like, it just brings out... And, and I, I felt as though I'd... I don't know. I, I didn't know what was real anymore. It, the whole thing was just... I was confused, and I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody. I just wanted to get out in the middle of nowhere, and I knew that Al was already out here, my, my partner now. I knew that he was here. He was a family friend. I knew that he'd understand, and I just wanted to get out. <laughs> you said you have two kids. Is that with your ex-husband or with your your ex-husband? That's yeah. Okay. That that's with my ex-husband. Yeah. So, so yeah. how did that conversation go there? With because that I mean you're I mean 
older women have a lot of, you mean, edu- you mean history behind yourself where you basically have the knowledge base, you're dealing with the media. I'm assuming these yeah. kids, they didn't have that experience. So that had to be even tougher for them. Do you know what? Honestly, a lot of people have asked me this and they have breezed through everything. Oh, like yeah. it, I guess they were never taught that it was, it was out of the ordinary. So when it did happen, we were very matter of fact about it. It wasn't like, we've got something to tell you, please prepare yourself. Nothing. It was just, hey, dad's wearing a wig. You know, it was just, (laughs) we just made light of it. And then, of course, we were all over the press. And their school, this is lovely. This is really lovely. We were all over the press and they were going to school. And of course, we were worried about the reaction from their friends. And everybody was just excited. They were just like, ah, your, your dad's the one that's turning into the woman, you know, and um, your, your, your mums have been on telly. And, you know, they were just, they were really supportive and really excited about it. And nobody, not one of those kids had anything negative to say about it at all. And they were at the time five and seven. And I thought that was so lovely. Like my kids have always been brought up to be open-minded and not to judge anyway. But I would have thought, you know, maybe one or two children might have had a snide comment, but nothing at all. Yeah, nothing at all. Just people being really excited for them. And the school even phoned us up and offered their support. Like everybody was absolutely incredible until, until... He went back to living as a man. Then there was a hate campaign against us, against me, not him, against me personally. Why why against you? Was it, I mean, thinking that you try to turn him, I mean, or try to guide him back or something like that? Or what was the hate campaign for? Do you know, remember? Oh, 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 I've had had all sorts of accusations. I've had accusations that I turned him transgender. I don't know how you do that, but (laughs) um, I've... I've had all sorts, but at this time, I mean, this leads on to another story. Um, I'll try not, I'll try and keep it short, (laughs) but I had an incident. I used to run an acting academy and I had an incident where there was a film director who, um, there was a film director and he'd, he'd sent some very off comments to one of my team members about one of my teenage students. So I followed my safeguarding protocol, as anyone I hope would, and I sent it to the police. Now this guy, I'm not sure what happened. I think he got arrested. I didn't get updated. But um, I found out that he was leading this hate campaign. I didn't know this at the time, but the accusation was that I'd lied. Well, I had all sorts. One was that I turned him transgender. The other was that I had lied about the whole thing. And all of this was against me personally, not not against him. Um, So, you know, it had a real effect on my business. I'm talking not just a few nasty comments. These people were holding live events in my honour. You know, it was a live event. If you've ever worked with this person, I've changed my name. My old name is Arian Cohen. So, you know, 
there was posts going around on social media. If you've ever worked with Adrian Cohen, come and meet us here. So they were holding these events, or so I hear. Um, yeah, but I knew that it, it was this guy that I'd reported to the police because they were operating under a fake profile. But one of the messages that they'd sent to my students, uh, which was a copy and paste message that was going out to hundreds of people, um, but one of them he had accidentally sent off his personal profile. What a rookie! So that was that. So I found out who was behind the whole thing. Um, and yeah, it was because, but these, I, I don't regret it for a second, you know, these comments. My, my student was, I think she was 12 at the time, 12 or 13, and these comments were not not acceptable in any way. I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> so with, some, with something like that, where there's like, where do you think that that anger comes from? I mean, I, I know people in the masses just I mean, want to get angry, to get angry, but do you think there was an agenda behind it or was it just basically you were the, the, the choice that they chose, kind of thing, the person they chose to go after? I know that it's because I, I, I admitted that I reported him to the police and I told him straight away. I phoned him and I said, look, I've just reported you to the police because somebody sent me these screenshots and it's, you know, it's the law. It's safeguarding. It's what I need to do. Um, so I never hid the fact that I, I was the one who reported him. Um, and yeah, so I think that was, I guess, I guess from then, you know, he was biding his time and waiting for a way to be able to get back at me. And I'd made a lot, you know, when you run a business, <laughs> and you'll probably know this yourself, you know, when you run a business, you're not going to be liked by everybody. You're not. I ran an acting academy. Now, I worked with some incredible, incredible humans. And there was also a lot of people who were really stuck in victim mentality. And they do things like um, they, they wouldn't pay their fees. And so we'd ask them to leave. And then they'd post online about, um, I've left that because they, they're scammers. And, you know, they'd st that. <laughs> so you are going to make enemies, look. And, of, and being an acting um, academy as well, some people got very jealous of each other. Most of them were very supportive of each other. And I was really, really proud of the atmosphere that we'd created and the supportive vibe. But every now and again, somebody would slip through the cracks who was just jealous and bitter. So if an actor got a good role, they would then, it was almost as though they'd throw a strop and they'd say, oh, they're your favorite because they're getting you these roles. And, you know, it was just... That's that type of thing. So well, I was never low on people who wanted to get back at me, shall we put it that way? You know, the, well, so one thing that, that I've kind of realized, and it took me a while to realize this, some of the real estate people that run a real estate team in San Diego, and there's so many real estate agents, it's, it's a crazy thing. The idea is, is that when you have so many people fighting for the same jobs, right, the same in acting, right, the same many actors mm. fighting for the same roles, you think there's a scarcity mindset, right? You're like, I can't, if they get it, I can't get it. But if you start switching from the abundance mindset, yeah. you have to go around because there's going to be good actors and there's going to be bad actors. So you have to switch that mindset 
But exactly. It takes, it takes so much time. It's exactly. Difficult. That's it's it. Difficult. This is what I kept saying. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. But, you know, with, with acting especially, you know, because I'd say if one person gets the role, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're better even. It just means that they're more suited to that particular role. Exactly. But, you know, all I could do was give them, they all got the same training. They all got the same opportunities. You know, it wasn't within my control who got chosen for what. All I could do is submit them, you know, because I, I worked as their agent as well. So, you know, <laughs> but there we go. Whatever we do, if we're doing anything that sets us apart from the norm, we are going to make enemies. And that hurts. It's not an easy thing. It hurts. But we have to have a, a thick skin. otherwise. That you know, otherwise my bother, you know, oh, we're, we're going to stop every time somebody says something nasty or untrue about us. And it is, it is horrendous and, and it is scary when people are making up rumours and especially if you're seeing that people are believing these rumours, it, it's painful as hell. And it's terrifying as well. And, you know, because you know that it's not true, you just want to scream like, ah! It's, and it feels like you're out of control. It's, abs it's, it's awful. It really is. Well, so how, how do you get through that? Or people, like people listening right now, if, if they're dealing with that, because, I mean, mm. one of the things that, that I heard, I think Tony Robbins talked about it, is like, if you have two people having a conversation, right, and one's, if you speak with basically such certainty on it, and the other person has a tad bit of doubt, you can basically sway them to your side, even if it's something that's not true. But I mean, if you're not fully believing in yourself, right, and you're hearing all these smear campaigns or yeah. people talk about you, how do you kind of push through? How do you push through and say, I can do this, think positive and kind of fight through all those things? Do you have any kind of advice on that? Yes, I'm really glad that I asked that question. So the natural, the natural instinct is to hide yeah because you know all of this is scary it feels out of our control the natural thing that we want to do is hide but when if it's just the odd comment whatever let that go that's meaningless but when it's something that can really destroy you like you know what happened to me then you cannot let it go you've got to go against that instinct of wanting to hide and you have to shine a light on it you absolutely have to shine a light on it. So I hid and cried, first of all. And then I got, my, got myself together and um, I wrote about it for the Huffington Post. Um, I got my story in a load of UK newspapers, about five of them, in fact. Um, so basically, I stood up and I said, look, this is what's happening. This is my truth. If you want to believe what's going on, that's up to you. But I, you know, I, I, don't, I can't control that. But this is my truth. And um, I explained what was going on. And in doing so, I also started giving advice to other people who were in the same situation as well. Um, I guess that's something I do naturally if I struggle with something myself and I find a way I find a way to get my power back, then I want to, to share that. What, so I went very, very public about it. What about one of your, like, like let's say a student or one of your students, like if, if, if they're dealing with it or someone you're, you're, you're helping out and they might not have the access to, mm. to tell it to, to the masses, I mean, what would you do there? Or how, how do you? 
I had a client very, very recently, actually, who had a similar thing going on. Um, she was being accused of, um, there was, there was something going on that she'd been accused of scamming people, but it was this huge misunderstanding. So, you know, the thing is, when we're in that situation as well, it's hard to think clearly. So the first thing I said to her was, okay, just breathe. Now remove information. I mean, remove emotion. Just give me the information, just the facts. So, you know, she told me exactly what was happening. She told me what the claims were, what the truth was. And she showed me the evidence that she had to back things up. And so what I advised her to do, every situation is different, but, you know, this is something that I've had come up quite a lot for clients. Um, and my advice to her at the time was to message the, the instigator. There was quite a group, but it, it was clear who the instigator was. So I got her to contact him and everybody else, and I, I wrote out the message for her. Um, you know, which was very factual, no emotion, just look, this is what's happened, this is um, the evidence that I've got. Um, and within four hours, everything had been taken down, you know, bad reviews, all of the horrible comments, like everything, all of the posts from everybody. So this guy, um, here's the thing, I mean, sometimes when people go on these crazy escapades to bring somebody down they can genuinely be thinking that they're doing a good thing and that is what the case was in in this instance so as soon as he realized he was wrong he backed off and he said um, okay I have got the wrong, wrong end of the stick I appreciate you clearing things up and you know not getting angry about what's happened I'm going to get everybody to take their post down right now and that's what happened and then my clients just put another post up just explaining you know what happened that it was a misunderstanding and, and all of that and that was it you know she wasn't ex uh, she wasn't affected in any way but it was it was scary for her at the time and in that situation that's why having somebody to talk you through it is so powerful because it's so hard to think when you're in that fear. And the, the natural thing is, well, it's either to hide or if you're a fighter to want to respond with emotion, to want to get angry and to say, hey, what are you doing this for? You know, but none of those things are what's going to work in this case, unless it's just a silly little troll, you know, hiding in his basement, covered in Pringles, just writing <laughs> camera on your ads or whatever. That's nothing, you know, just get, <laughs> but when it, when it's a real campaign where people are set to bring you down, you've got to shine a light on that instead of hiding away. And you've got to trust that the people who who are meant to be in your life and who are meant to work with you in the future are going to see right through it. You know, people aren't stupid. Some. So, <laughs> some are, some aren't. So it, no, it's mean, like I, a filtering tool. That's how I see it. I think the, 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 the biggest thing was the idea of emotion, taking that emotion out. I mean, if you can take that emotion out, it, it yeah. makes a real difference. I mean, it's, it's so to hard to do. Um, so it really it, is. It really is. If you could talk, I mean, and I, I, it's, it seems like, I mean, you've had, I mean, of course you had the big hurdle with your, with your ex-husband, all this kind of stuff. I mean, if you're talking to someone maybe younger, that's going to get into acting, getting into the public eye, 
I mean, what mm -hmm. kind of advice do you give them? The main bit of advice, I don't know how to say this without sounding cheesy, but it's, <laughs> it's really, you know, to figure out who you really are and that thing that makes you unique and to stand out. <clears throat> but another, a massive hurdle that I needed to get past was that I wasn't fully trusting myself and I wasn't fully accepting myself. And what that led to was me being screwed over time and time again it happened on a major major level where I was manipulated and I, you know I allowed myself to be manipulated and it was I've just had the most crazy experiences with I would say you know people who are suspected psychopaths not in a, you know, not in a psycho killer way, um, but definitely narcissists who have just created these fantasy worlds. And then I've got into these fantasy worlds. And I swear, you know, some of these, it, it could be a movie, you know, but it, it was all because I wasn't fully trusting myself. And because you mentioned acting there, I will go a little deeper on one of them because one of them was an acting director and I was told and I, I'm cringing now and I can't believe I'm about to admit this <laughs> um, I haven't actually spoken about this publicly um, <laughs> so please bear with me <laughs> I got involved with the with a director who cast me in a Warner Brothers movie in the lead role I was naive I thought I'd had my big break. I was excited, a little bit cocky, shouting about it from the rooftops. And then I went to film and, you know, I thought it was a little bit weird. You know, it was just one guy with a camera. I was like, mm, this is Warner Brothers, what's going on? But I guess I didn't listen to any, my instinct, you know, I chose to ignore any red flags. And I made a few movies with, with the same person, all Warner Brothers. <laughs> and um, then one of the films came out. And this film, you know, it was set to be a blockbuster. I thought, hey, this is it. I've made it. The film came out and I just cringed. And I was like, this does not look like Warner Brothers quality. And wait a minute, where's the Warner Brothers branding here? And anyway, he had an answer for everything. And I even chose, I even chose to ignore that. And I just thought, oh, maybe I just think it doesn't look good quality because I'm in it, probably being overcritical. So everything that was happening, I was talking myself out of it, I guess, because I really wanted to succeed. <sighs> anyway. What I found out after about two years of this was that um, some other actresses were being convinced to, to do things that they weren't comfortable with on set. And this guy was using me as an example, as the shining light saying, look, she's mega successful. 
if you want to be like her, if you want her success, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to do what it takes and you're going to have to do the same things as her. Now, I'm sure you've heard about the old casting couch and all of that stuff. Basically, they were, they were being asked to do things that they were not comfortable with and he was using my name saying that I was doing those things and he'd ne it had never been suggested to me and that's obviously he, I was just a pawn in his game and um, he was using me as somebody because I had I already had you know quite a bit of a following and I was doing all, all sorts of stuff I was already in the media a lot so he was using me as the older one who other people maybe could look up to and that I was saying, look, this guy is the real deal. You can trust him. And so because I was saying these things, then other people were trusting him more. And I thought, I mean, I, I just, he'd created this whole fantasy world and it just, it hit me one day that none of it was real. Were people telling you around you that it wasn't wasn't real and you just didn't want to listen or yes oh, wow. yeah yeah and i wouldn't have any of it because that made me more protective of him and this this is where it gets really sinister because what i realized was that he was controlling my emotions he was controlling how i felt each day I started to feel isolated from the rest of the world because people were saying, look, don't get involved with that guy. He's not who he says he was. I was then being protective. You don't know him like I do. So then I was feeling closer to him and I was then, he, I was then blocking people. He was suggesting, uh, you know, he was saying, oh, I think it's best if all of your inquiries come through me, I think it's best if you come off social media, I think it's best if you put, um, cut yourself off from these people, from this person, from this person. And so I ended up just in this bubble, working with him and a small group of actors. And none of these actors had a clue what was going on, and neither did I. And it, I mean, he was really clever and, you know, he was a master of manipulation. And it just hit me one day that I was no longer in charge of my own. I was thoroughly brainwashed. I wasn't in charge of my own feelings, my own thoughts. I had isolated myself from everybody. And it was just this, this bubble. It was, I tell you what it was like. You know, when you hear stories from people who have been in a cult? Mm. It was a cult, but not a religious cult, but it was a cult. So that, oh, that's, that's how it felt. And it was very, very hard then to leave. How did you leave? Or how did that, that one thing, or was there one thing, or was there one thing that basically got you out of it? That you said, what, what am I doing here? Yeah, the thing that got me was when I, I found out what some of the younger actresses were being told that they had to do to be successful. Um, that's when I realised I can't ignore this anymore. But at the same time, I still felt guilty because I, I still wasn't trusting myself. And I felt like I had no, I, I had no sense of 
self-worth of you know my confidence was rock bottom and here was somebody in my eyes who had given me an opportunity who believed in me and that meant so much to me but obviously you know they choose their they choose their targets carefully don't they these people and so um I felt like I really owed him something and it, it it took a long time after that for me to leave and when I did leave everybody else who was still working with this person also turned on me so I, I or not turned on me um that's wrong but they no longer had anything to do with me um you know everybody just removed me from from their life so I'm not sure what happened there I'll never know and that's okay um but yeah it was a crazy experience and then that experience it, it very something similar happened only a year ago only this time it was a client who had in, um, asked me to go into business with her and I'd poured my heart and soul into this business and I had invested heavily heavily into it um, I lost all of my money I lost my house that I was buying because my deposit went into this business and then I found out the same again, that it was a, a fantasy world, you know, that it was all something she'd created. But let me tell you what, this is how, um, this is how convincing she was before somebody's thinking, oh, are you, are, you, like, are you crazy to fall for something like that again? I had a legal team on board in this company. Not one of the legal team spotted any cracks. We had evidence of everything. We were talking to people who, you know, people who had signed these huge contracts for multi-million deals, you know? And it was all fake. It was all fake. And again, it, it hit me. And I, I think that was the third time, you know, the, the, first, the first time it happened wasn't as crazy as those, those two times. Um, but it has happened three times. And I, I guess lessons will keep repeating themselves until we until we choose to learn from them and it's only now that i'm starting to learn okay you know I, I can see right through it now i know i'm absolutely certain now that nothing like this will ever happen again i can smell i can smell it a mile off now but it took a lot and it was all to do with me not trusting myself and not not trusting my instinct and not not accepting myself as a person and putting other people on a pedestal and following them instead of trusting myself as a leader. So <sighs> that was a long way to answer your question, wasn't yeah, it? No, 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 definitely. And in those moments, I mean, I know with your ex-husband, you basically went with your current partner and that was kind of like you're um, holding you up and kind of getting your mind right. I mean, there's other two moments, what happened last year when you were younger, what you do at those at those low spots when you're getting out of it because you basically gave your heart and soul to to another person and yeah. you got taken advantage of how do you trust yourself i mean you said you couldn't mm. trust yourself already and now how do you get back to tr trusting yourself again yeah so it it was hard it was really really hard and especially the first you know with with the film director it was especially hard at that time because I didn't know the meaning of mindset work. Um, I was in victim mentality still, you know, I, I, 
I hadn't done any personal work on my personal development. And what I did there and what, you know, I, I got together with other people who had, you know, people who had been warning me about this guy. And I said, look, you were right. And we all supported each other, you know, and people who had worked with him in the past, we all supported each other, which was nice. And then this time, after it happened, it was a year ago, it was last April, I sank into deep, 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 I sank into a deep black hole. I didn't want to get out and I felt stupid. I was like, how could you have done this again? Um, and I, I was anxious about everything. I didn't want to see anybody. And, but I had people who relied on me, you know? I was working still. I had people who relied on me and that is what kept me going. And um, as I started to... I mean, sometimes I would just... I, I gave myself... A month I gave myself one month where I didn't put any pressure or any expectation on myself and I would just do whatever I felt like um, you know obviously I did everything I needed to for clients you know I managed that but on top of that it was like you know I wasn't putting any pressure on myself to succeed or to achieve anything I was just keeping my head above water and um, some days I just, I love nature and some days I just go into the forest and I just sit there. I just sit there for hours, sometimes four hours doing nothing, just sitting with my own thoughts. And it, that was a real healing, it was a real healing process. You know, it might sound a bit weird, I don't know what you're doing in the forest for hours, but it just it had such a healing effect on me and it gave me the chance to reflect and to be able to understand why it happened and what that lesson was, you know, and it was to accept myself and to build boundaries, which I have now, you better believe. Um, and yeah, that, that's when I realized really what had happened, but it's still been a long road to, to recovery I do a lot of mindset and you know I really really work on myself and I've had a lot of anxiety I haven't slept properly for a year I've had really bad sleeping problems um and I'm only now beginning to let go of the anxiety you know ever since for the whole year I've had this uh, this like, sick feeling in my stomach and jittery and it's, it's only, I'm talking the past few days, where I've finally been able to, to think, okay, now I'm, I'm calm. And it does all come down to the, the loss of control and the feeling of not being able to trust yourself and trust other people, not knowing who is, you know, are you who you actually say you are? Like, because I've been fooled three times, the first time was with my very first acting academy um, back in 2015 at 13. So, you know, because it happened three times, I I'd lost trust in myself. Yeah. But I have to say that, you know, a year on now, I'm, I feel like I'm in a much stronger place than I was before. I'm way more sure of myself. I have stronger boundaries. My, my business has recovered fully and, you know, got further than it was. 
um, my finances have recovered. Everything now is better than before this happened. So I see it as, an, as a lesson, you know. Somebody said to me, okay, well, you bought some really expensive boundaries and that made me laugh. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I did. The, I mean, I can just tell with this whole interview that we've had, your, your, your books, I can see why they're bestsellers. And so if someone's listening right now and they're looking to find your books, find out more information about you, find about your, your classes, coaching, anything like that, what's the best avenue for them to, to reach out? best way is facebook luana ribeira that's where i am most of the time give shoot me a message i always respond um, i spend far too much time on facebook i have to admit <laughs> but yeah shoot, shoot me a message i've got a, a free group and stuff where i deliver trainings and all sorts going on well i mean thank you for for being on the, the rose of growth podcast i mean your your story has been a roller coaster but it seems like it keeps on going higher and higher every time you take a, a little bit of a pitfall so and I can that's it that's it isn't it when we get past these challenges you know we might feel like we're going back short term but then we're propelled forward as long as we keep going yeah thank, thank you again um and I, I appreciate you being on i've really enjoyed this chat Vinny. thank you Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.